I think that a lot of it is courage. I think a lot of it is lowering expectations and be accepting where you are and being in a place where you can understand that we have choice. So, you know, for me, a lot of the journey started actually when I found uh, the practice of meditation and mindfulness mm. and, uh, and really being able to understand the concept of equanimity, like breath and equanimity, which is really about how can I be in a place where I understand that I have choice? You are entering the Age Rebels Revolution. The intelligent podcast for over 40s who want to live their best life and defy your numbers. We are your hosts, Summer Bentley and Isaac Xavier. Come on in. From the moment I met Tia Goldstein, I realised she was quite a unique human being, especially how she communicates. She is clear and forthright and also very insightful and caring. I like the fact that she doesn't do small talk, but mainly big talk, as I like to call it. She is quite the global citizen and had an upbringing that many would envy, especially us adventurous and eternally curious souls. My intuitive feeling with this podcast is to, rather than list all of what Tia does and all of her achievements, which are many, let it evolve as she reveals her life journey so far. She is clearly a person who has big dreams to help the world with the current challenges we face and does so in a very practical and grounded way. And Tia's words, her aim is to collaboratively create strategies, spaces and places to grow innovation and entrepreneurship hell-bent on solving the complex, wicked problems humanity faces. Tia, you were born in Canada, you've lived in Israel, South Africa and Zanzibar, and you were homeschooled by what sounds like some very, very cool cat parents. Could you give us the highlights of this super interesting upbringing and how you feel it has shaped your worldview and also your career path? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I don't think that the word homeschool would really be something that my parents would agree on. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I was on a podcast and I said that was, I was homeschooled and my mom called me later. She's like, you weren't homeschooled. Like, I remember that I was homeschooled. She's like, no, only for a little bit. I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Clear that up. Cool. So what are some insights that I have? I think that my, I think that my parents approach was funny because the last comment that you made was about parent. I have no idea what parenting is and what are the, there are no rules about parenting. I think that one of the main things that my parents did that I feel set us up for a life of curiosity and exploration, because all of my siblings are, we are all very different in the way that we decide to live our lives. I think that a lot of it had to do with just actually being in a place where they trusted us to do whatever they wanted, whatever we wanted. So they didn't say, okay, you have to have an education. You have to do this. You have to have, you have to do that. It was more, we trust you, you go explore, you go be you. And, um, there's always a home waiting for you when you decide to come back. So I think that that was one of the fundamental tenets, but also the way that my parents, I mean, my parents were, are, my father recently passed away, but the way that they grew up was very adventurous as well. So they, they built a concrete boat based on plans that they got 
mailed to them. <laughs> really? Wow. As you do. As you do. Um, in uh, in, in uh, my grandparents' backyard, they built a concrete boat that we then sailed on. They were very passionate. They met when they were, um, when my dad was 19 or when my mom was 16, I think. And they went to Israel a number of times because they were part of this group that the Zionist youth movement that believed in the existence of Israel. So they, they were in Israel a number of times before they decided to move us. They moved, uh, we didn't just move from Canada to Israel. No, no, it can't be a simple pathway forward. You have to actually do it in a very adventurous way. So we packed up everything and we bought a, a minivan and we um, traveled through Europe and then arrived in Greece and took a boat over <laughs> to Israel and started life there. And then, you know, a lot of different, they just had a different, we had a different upbringing. I'm not sure, I wouldn't say it was like completely out there. Uh, we had very specific things that we had to do. We had to be home at seven o'clock every single night for dinner. That had to happen. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. No. Well, it's so compared to like my life growing uh, up. Yes, certainly my tinks, life. Yeah, ours was like very beige, rigid compared to what you did. I'm going to criticize my parents. Great job, everything, but very you know, go to school, get a job, did 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 go to uni, whatever it was, it was very linear. There was no real adventure. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And our, like, our future was more about, for me, was get old enough to have a relationship, procreate and be a mum for the rest of your life. Yeah, and right. I just rebelled against that completely. Because <laughs> <laughs> looking at like the first moment when I met you and we had before the podcast, we were talking about where my first question was because of your accent. I said, oh, where are you from? And then you didn't answer the question straight away. Just so I'm from X country. I thought, oh, I like this person. It's it's just really different. And it threw me in a good way. And I thought, yeah, that maybe it could be offensive. Maybe it's just putting a person in a box, but it just expanded my view just immediately. Yeah. Mm. I think, I think that one of the things, thank you. I think that one of the things that my parents installed in, in all of us is really a confidence for us to be able to explore and do what we want to do. And also a really strong set of values. So all of my siblings, we all work on uh, like we are express our work is an expression of who we are and our values. So my sister's work, uh, one of my sisters works in a, a college and she is, her job is like project management resource accumulation, basically. So she does amazing things that have to do with bringing together different types of donors and finding the right projects and just creating change in her own way. Uh, she's taken off. She's taken on a couple of years ago. She really became quite passionate about everything that has to do with early childhood education in Israel. So she's leading the the charge, and she leads the charge in a very, you don't mess with my sisters. <laughs> you know, so she's uh, so she's leading the charge in early childhood education and really becoming like having creating curriculum and creating an actual certification for early childhood edu- education. Um, my other sister is uh, she is like, she's just this fountain of continuous ideas around sustainability. And she works as a project manager for an organization that brings uh, Jews from the United States into Israel and creating more partnerships between uh, between the two countries. And my brother is just like, he's just a phenomenal person who lives his own life and to his own beat of his own drum. And he, you know, <laughs> I remember when I, when he was younger, he lives in uh, in Germany right now with his uh, with his wife and two kids, and I'd call him up. I'm like, "No, what are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I'm crocheting socks." I'm like, "Great, <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant." What are you doing now? How oh, I'm, I'm felting a hat. I'm like, 
Okay. Anyway, he builds tiny houses. He built tiny houses and he's very, and now he builds amazing log houses. And, you know, so all of us have our different expression about making the world a better place um, and finding our ways to that. And I think that our parents were very encouraging around doing that. And they, you know, the way that my mom is one of the kindest people you will ever meet. A lot of people think that she's a fairy or she's an angel because just of the way that she is. And my dad, you know, my dad was a very complicated man, but um, at the end of the day, his values were very solid. His values were around around making sure that you are uh, around family, around truth, around honesty, around being good, about being fair. He one of the things in when um, in during his funeral, one of the, I, I gave a eulogy, and one of the things that I said was that he taught me that there's no such thing as a stupid question. So always having the the confidence and the courage to be able to say, well, I don't actually understand this. Can you explain this to me? Um, he was very bold in the way that he, you know, he he lived his life in his own way. <laughs> and I think that leading by example provided us with the ability to be able to say, okay, well, maybe we can choose something a little bit different. And I, you know, I I'm a very curious person, and I like to. I, I like to find out what other people are doing. And I think that my life to this point has kind of been a lot around, I'm going to follow my nose and my heart and figure out and see what happens and where I can go. So, yeah. If you love this podcast, give us five stars and we'll love you right back. That's a really interesting thing. I love that you've spoken about trust very early on. It's something that actually I've been playing with a lot this morning in my own mind. But uh, you're saying you led, you've been able to lead with your heart, but I think what we were saying about the way that we've been brought up in Australia, and I'm not limiting it to Australia, I'm just giving an example, but many of us sort of live a, a less adventurous life, I guess. And what I've witnessed, and this is just my perspective, is that many people 40 and above have forgotten how to hear their heart and follow their heart. They don't really know how to connect back to it. Mm. You seem to have this ability to be able to do that and have been able to do that for a very long time or maybe all along. I'd love to deep dive with you on how can people do that? How can they get back in contact with that? Oh, man, that's a deep question. How can you get in touch with your heart? I think that, you know, I was thinking about it this morning, actually. I took some notes. I like being prepared, even though I say that I'm very, uh, I'll go with the flow. I I always be prepared as like the Boy Mm -hmm. Scout or Girl Scout (laughs) or whatever it is. I was thinking about a metaphor today and I was thinking, cause you know, I think that the concept of intention and congruency. So how do you create congruency between your thoughts, your actions and your words and what are your values and how do you bring that to life in day-to-day life? I think a couple of things, I think first of all, so the, anal- sorry, so the, the analogy that I thought about is I often feel that we're in a river, like life is a river of time and you can choose how you want to live within that river of time. So you can either just float down the river and eventually you'll get to the end of the river and you'll live a a life that is a floated life. Uh, You can swim against the current, which is kind of difficult, or you can find, you know, you can swim and find a pathway through that that is more intended. I think that, you know, leading with your heart or finding a way to be able to be more heart-centered requires you to be able to actually slow down and to actually just find you know, I have, I've been accused more than often that I am a very, I think a lot, (laughs) but I also, but I also feel a lot. And I think that over, over time, what I've done is I've learned how to uh, listen to my body and understand that your emotions come as a signal from your body to start off with. 
So whether it's pain of whatever kind that pain is, pain is basically a, it's a signal for change. It's asking for change, right? So your pain yeah. of like, when you wake up in the morning and you're not happy, first of all, I think that the whole concept of like the pursuit of, happy, of happiness is really wrong because that means that you're broken and something needs to change. And I don't think you're ever broken. I think that you're perfect as you are and being able to figure out how do you move forward in a way that is different. So I, yeah, I don't have a clear answer on that. Sorry. No, <laughs> I think rambling. I, I love, There's a lot of like rambling. Here. No, I really love the the metaphor of the river. And mm. listen, I think you, what you're saying, it's been very uh, prevalent for me this year is mm. listening to your body. And I consistently lean in and ask these types of questions of myself. And the pain thing is really interesting, isn't mm. it? How there is a lot to take from it. And Isaac, that's so in alignment with what you do as well. Mm. That concept of pain and what is it trying to tell you? And you're saying that it can lead you back to your heart because it's forcing you to slow down, as you say, yeah, um, to get back to listening to what your heart is trying to tell you. And do, do you think that the answer is always there and it's whether you're willing to slow down enough to listen? Yeah. I mean, I think that I often think that life is like a video game, right? So uh, you have a lesson that you need to learn. And the first level is like, oh, it's totally easy. I totally got it. We're good. We're good. I got it. We're done. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then life is like, okay, you think you know how to, you, you think you got it? Let's level, let's level up a lot, another one. And like, let's make this, this lesson a little bit more complicated and see if you've actually learned it. Like if you've actually embodied it. So it'll present you with another opportunity to, and you know, it's all based on the stories that you have that were created from childhood or whatever trauma you've experienced. And it's, you know, it showcases in a whole bunch of different ways that are very sneaky. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't they just? (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, oh, I think I've learned this. Let's go up another level. So it's a, I think it's a constant learning. And I think like, as we spoke before the, before the podcast, I think a lot of it is about being curious. Mm. You know, if I think about what are some of the, what are some of the things that I that I feel have helped me. One is being curious and open, understanding what my biases are. So understanding, and that's a constant struggle for me is like constantly like, okay, what I, I recently actually it was because of the podcast that you guys did with the guy. He was phenomenal. That Jonathan McDonald. Yeah, that yeah. was great. After, we can't wait to see him again. He's back next month. Oh my this God. Month. I, you sent me that. I'm like, I have nothing to say. Come on. <laughs> you, you are so, so compelling. Like instantly, since you walked in the door, we've been having this deep, dark conversation. So you've got lots to say. Anyway, I, thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, I, so I did the test around the, the biases, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, so back to the question around how do you, how do you lead with your heart? I think that a lot of it is courage. I think a lot of it is lowering expectations and be accepting where you are and being in a place where you can understand that we have choice. So, you know, for me, a lot of the journey started actually when I found uh, the practice of meditation and mindfulness mm. and, uh, and really being able to understand the concept of equanimity, like breath and equanimity, which is really about how can I be in a place where I understand that I have choice? And every, like every moment you have a choice. And if we're continuously living in a way where we're just floating down the river, then we are forgetting that we have choice and we have agency. And I think that depending on what background you come from and what values, like these are things that sound very big, but really they're actually quite small and, and they, they manifest in every single day actions. Like the, like for me, one of my key values is being kind. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Like, how does that, how do I embody that in every single action that I have? How can I be kind to myself? Which is really hard for me. How to be kind to others is relatively easy for me. 
But how do you be kind in, in other actions? Like how do you be kind with the way that you spend your money? How do you be kind with the way that you spend your time? How do you be kind with the smaller actions, with your words, with your thoughts, with your, like with every, the way that you, that you operate and walk in the world. I think that we're so busy in trying to move forward and in trying to advance and trying to be a better person, but let's just stop where we are and just kind of take a breath and kind of go like, okay, what can I do right now in order for me to be kind or to express whatever value it is that you want to do? And if you're not happy and if something is not working, then stopping and instead of bashing your head against the wall, kind of going like, okay, let's be curious. What is this teaching me right now? What is this moment teaching me? How can I open up a small amount in order for me to be able to have that space to take a breath and see something different and see how can I align things in order to be in that flow that is a more beautiful flow rather than a struggle? I love that conversation around choice that you mentioned mm. and kindness. It's it's kindness, do you think, is a very much a personal. And it can be tricky. Yeah, because we were talking earlier about triggering co- uh, questions mm. and things. And I'm an ex-police officer. I do not want to make this about me. <laughs> but the kindness, people's perception of kindness in a situation they didn't understand was mm. damaging. Mm-mm-mm. How do you navigate the difference between we're talking about questions that are triggering to some and curious to others? Mm. How do you navigate through that perspective of kindness? You think you're being kind, but you might be enabling a habit or what's yeah. your, is it the way that you filter it through values? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, I think that part of it is speaking less and, and listening more. Mm, good right? answer. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I recently took a new position that I, I'm really grateful for, and I think it's an amazing opportunity for me to grow and learn in areas that I didn't necessarily expect. And one of the things that I noticed in the conversations that we had when I originally started contacting them or when we contacted each other uh, was that the person is one of the most amazing listeners I've heard and I've seen in a very long time. And when you are around people that emulate a specific action that you want to do more of, that you might not have even been aware that you're doing it, we have this natural mimicking tendency that we all, because we want to feel a sense of belonging. So as soon as you are around specific people, you are going to mimic specific behaviors subconsciously. So if you're around people that, that stop and actually listen in a much deeper way, then by listening in a deeper way, you have a better presence and you're more able to connect to what actually is happening and to hear right? What is an active, what is an active, active listening? Like how can I actively listen without actually trying to construct a, a response or an argument in my mind in order to be able to counteract the conversation? So I think, I don't know, I think that active listening is one of the things that I think is super important and just actually just slowing down and learning how to listen is, that's really hard. It's hard. <laughs> and that goes back to the last point we made as well about going back to the heart, Isaac. Yeah, because what I find, especially doing podcasts or talking with clients, and straight away it's you, you're in your head and you're like, mm. I want to ask this and this and yeah. construct that. And you, then you can be very in your head and you don't actually hear the person. Yeah. So I find one thing I do is just shh and just take my concentration to my heart and notice the person's eyes. Yeah, that's interesting. One of my friends, she recently uh, started a, a new position as a as a as a trainer, like working in a for a university, doing some training. And she ha- she was a very 
successful practitioner and something happened and she had to shift what she was doing. And she was asking me for advice because I have heaps of experiences as, as a facilitator and a trainer and, and teacher. And I said to her, one of the, the hardest things to master is silence, right? When you, uh, when you have, when you're in a group and you're holding space for a group or whatever it is to not to fill, not to, not to, not to give in to the, to the need to fill the silence of, you know, oh, I need to have a response right now. It's like, let's just sit here and just listen to each other. I mean, obviously it gets a little awkward after a while. (laughs) It's like, I'm staring into your eyes right now. (laughs) But yeah, I think that, I think that that's something that is really hard to master. And that requires, that requires, I think that that requires grounding, right? That requires you to feel confident and grounded and and clear on what your intention is. Intention is everything. You walk into the room and what's your intention? Like, what is my intention with this conversation? It's really just to be as open-hearted as possible and to see how I can provide value to your listeners. Mm. I think something that, because I noticed this about just the way you talk and speaking with you, when I learned about the homeschooling, and your parents There's air and, the, and, the, and the the travel. I know myself when I first ever traveled, it was to Bali mm-hmm. and straight away I felt so embarrassed to be an Australian because they're like, yeah, mate, give me another beer, will you? Mm-hmm. And just treated the women terribly. I was like, Agreed. oh, God, this is terrible. And I started to speak with a different tone and, oh, interesting. and to be really mindful and respectful. So travel, I find when you're very mindful, mm. that is one of the best ways to really get a sense of understanding and being able to sit and listen because you can't just get a culture or people by, yeah, tell me in five minutes. Yeah. It's living and experiencing and making mistakes and accidentally offending people and apologizing and navigating all of that. Do you feel that in your siblings who all sound very altruistic, very heart-centered, and still very grounded and practical because they're not just airy fairy, just walking along the beach and trying to survive. They sound like they're really adding incredible value to a lot of people in their lives. Do you feel that travel had that impact on you to be very heart centered um, and understanding? Maybe. I mean, I think I think that there's a couple of things. First of all, I think that the household that I grew up in was a household that was really we see people, we don't see color, age, race, et cetera, mm. et cetera, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. I think also, you know, I, I was involved with a youth movement in Israel that was all about social democracy and about being able to create more of a, you know, the values were around how do you create, like I, I went through a, um, a youth leadership course when I was 16 and it was all about how do you, like, how do we create more engaged humans and how do you become a responsible citizen and what does that mean? Um, I think I also, I think that I was very fortunate to have some amazing mentors through my career that really taught me some very fundamental lessons. Like I was very, very fortunate to have a mentor who passed a number of years ago. His name was Bruce, Bruce Lund uh, in Canada. And I started working with him when he was working, for, he worked for the federal government. And part of our job was to work with indigenous community and there was some grant money and we had to provide the grant money to the indigenous community, but there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of capacity or you know, within the, or within the indigenous community. So he taught me really how to like, how to build trust within community. And a lot of it was just having a lot of coffee and just listening to conversations mm. and just being, you know, like being where the people are at. So I would never ask people to come to meetings with me in the, in the federal tower. I would also, I would just go and hang out in community as much as possible. 
So I think, I don't know. I mean, I think that also it's funny what you said about Bali, because I think that when I started traveling, it wasn't, I don't think I've ever actually traveled for the purpose of travel. Like anything that I've done has already, has had a purpose, whether it's for a job or whether it's for love or whatever it is. Mm. And also I didn't like in Israel, for example, you finish high school, you go to the army. And then after you, you exit the army, you go on a tour for a year and work and, you know, you go travel and go crazy around the world. And they're there in Israel. It's very, you, you very much walk down a pathway in Israel. And I didn't walk down that pathway for various reasons. And so uh, when it was my time to kind of leave the nest, I'm air quoting, I didn't want to go to India because everybody else was going to India and there was no way that I wanted to go anywhere near Israelis who were in India going crazy and, uh, yeah. you know, smoking up and doing all the things that they were doing yeah. in India. I'm like, no, I'm not going to India, not going there. So I chose something that was as different as possible. <laughs> I don't think that the motivation was really like, oh, I'm very curious. It was more like, I do not want to be like them. So I'm going to go over here. <laughs> where did you go? It was contrast. <laughs> where did you go? Well, I went, I mean, I went to, I went to Canada. Um, I ended up, I found, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I really had no clue. And, uh, I, I mean, long story short, I ended up, uh, sitting in the Colorado river with someone at the Tullyride bluegrass festival and said, I'm not really sure what I should do. And he said, Oh, have you heard about outdoor rec? It's really great. You should do that. I'm like, okay, sounds great. So I went and I briefly researched and there was an outdoor recreation management course that was happening in Vancouver. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go do that then. So <laughs> That's what led to the adventure sports. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So I, I arrived in Vancouver. I mean, there was a very sordid, I have a collection of how my heart has been broken 50 million times. It sounds like a country song. <laughs> but uh, when I arrived in Vancouver and I, I didn't realize that this was actually a very competitive program and I arrived and they did these, like they did these interviews and they're like, well, why do you want to come to this? Uh, why do you want to come to this program? I'm like, I just live halfway across the world to be to this program. What do you mean? Why do I want to be to this program? Of course, you're going to choose me. That's very Israeli arrogance, by the way. <laughs> I actually really like that. <laughs> I've met some really forthright Israelis. At first, you think it's arrogance, and then it's like, no, I, I love that confidence. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So I mean, it, at the time, it was like I think I think there were like 400 applicants or something, and they only accepted 30. So I don't know. Wow. I think it was like I'm like you have no choice. I flew halfway across the world you're going to accept me into this program. So I got into the program. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, you know, at that time, this was a long time ago. I'm not going to date myself. So <laughs> <laughs> numbers are irrelevant. <laughs> numbers are irrelevant. <laughs> but at the time it was, nobody knew what outdoor recreation management was. I'd go home and they're like, what do you do? Like I, I do outdoor recreation management. And when you say it in Hebrew, it sounds like you're managing someone's free time like leisure time you're like a leisure time so what are you a cruise ship manager like what are you doing like, oh that no. sounds fun i know right anyway, yeah, so. that was a very rambling where did we go where yeah, are we ending? well the, the see and that's why I, I didn't want to give you know the timeline the list because the way you've done things is is not been linear mm. so the outdoor because it was what uh, mountain biking abseiling all these full-on adventure sports that mm. you became an instructor in yeah yeah. 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 And then you've transitioned to working in the entrepreneurial startup space. Well, a lot of steps yeah. in between. I think that, yeah. so if you're asking like around my, my career path, yeah. I think that my career path has really just been led by curiosity. You know, I, I, I'll learn a tool and then I'm like, okay, well, where else can I apply this tool? What else can I do within this tool? 
So there are three, there are really three different, like I think either I've learned to speak about this because I do, I, I do get asked about this frequently. And I think that there's three different viewpoints that I kind of fundamental points that have provided me with frameworks that subconsciously I've made choices based on that. So one is working in the outdoors. I mean, I grew up being in, in nature quite a bit. You know, every Saturday we'd go on a hike somewhere. In Israel, the way that you consume nature is very different than in other countries. So when you go on a hike, you don't just go on a hike. You have usually, there's a guide who tells you about the history and tells you about the biology and tells you about the ecology and wow. tells you. So when you're, anytime you're learning, it's called learning the country through your feet. So if you go, even if you're on like a high school trip for, you know, you go on a high school trip for five days or whatever, and you're down in the desert, you have a guide who is teaching you about the history about like, so, so you're able to interpret and understand things in a much more complex way than just, oh, I'm going to conquer the mountain. I'm going to climb the mountain. It's more like, huh, what else happened here? What is this? Oh, this, this, this tree means this, this plant means this. So starting off with that and, and having a career in the outdoors, I think that that really gave me the basic fundamental understanding that everything is connected and everything is an ecosystem. Mm. So that's systems thinking, essentially, like systems thinking yeah. in a very simple way. It's a solid foundation to start from. Us. <laughs> <laughs> is that once you understand that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not you're not just trying to conquer nature. You're being a part of it. No, and I learning never. About I, it. Yeah, yeah, I never. I mean, there's two fundamental differences in the way that I think that. Uh, in some of the courses that I've developed, one of the things that I think is really important to think about is what is your world lens? And so how do you view the world in terms of how is your religion, your upbringing, your values, how does that influence the way that you're looking at the world and you're interpreting things? So there's the whole thing about the differences between do you see yourself as part of nature or do you see yourself separate from nature? Mm. And a lot of the, for example, a lot of the Christian Judaism myths put ourselves outside of nature. So there's the creation myth around, well, I mean, depends on, sorry, I call yeah. it a myth, but yeah. in respect to those who are, who believe in, in those religions, then that there's the, the aspect of like God created man for, to take care of. So the language around that, your beliefs around that, the way that you're taught is I am, nature is separate. I am above nature. Therefore, my role is to be something that has to do with nature, but I'm not a part of it. Versus if you consider yourself to be a part of it and you understand that you are part of everything, then everything is interconnected. So therefore you also understand the concept of cause and effect. So if I do this, then the cause of that is going to be, you know, multiple different places that it might show up, but it's, there's no such thing as not having an effect or not having an impact mm. on anything that you do. So I think that that, that started off like that provided with some kind of fundamental understanding of how everything is connected. And then from there, I just, I started playing with tools and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm, I'm really interested in how this works here, but then what else can I do with it? Where else can I, where else can I explore this tool or this framework or this thought bubble that I have? Where else can I go and do something with it? So it kind of, everything's kind of been an evolution. So starting off working in outdoors and understanding how you can create really powerful metaphors to be able to create personal change and group change. And then from there, it's like, oh, well, organizations are interesting. Let's take a look at that. How do organizations work? And how do you create things? How do you create meaningful opportunities for teams to build teams? And then you think about teams in terms of like culture and organizational culture. And then you think about change. And then you think about, anyway, you know, it kind of leads to, it's a thread mm. that you pull and then you mm. kind of see where it's going to go. So 
I think that until probably about six years ago, it was very much curiosity led. <laughs> it wasn't any intention behind it. It was like, oh, this sounds really interesting. I'm going to go this way. And probably about five, six years ago is when I became a lot more deliberate about what I'm doing. And I, especially three years ago, I was like, right, future Tia is having lots of conversations with me. So what are we doing? How are we moving this? And in, in a very specific and deliberate way. Um, and that's why I chose to do my PhD. And that's why I chose to, to continue with a pathway that I'm doing right now. So. If you're ready to age young, discover the truth about accessing the fountain of youth and claiming your best ever health, check out our beautiful website at agerebels.com.au where you will find freebies, programs and more. Because I remember when I first was um, researching you and I saw that what you're involved in is very much about sustainability. A lot of what you do has to do with sustainability, though. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that came out of the upbringing, then the connection to nature, and also that heart-centered need and want and desire to leave the world a better place? Than I don't know. I mean, I think that a lot of things that you th- you think that you know, but then you look back, you're like, oh, that's the reason why I did that. Okay, good. So sure, I can be really sound, really smart, and say that's exactly why I did that. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> really, no. <laughs> I don't think anybody could say that. Honestly, they'd be lying. I know. It was more like, oh, I like this guy. Let's move countries for this guy. Oh, I can also do this at the same time. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that definitely the concept of how can I leave the world a better place is something that I often think a lot about, mm. which also has very complex issues within it. Yeah. Yeah. The concept of sustainability, a hundred percent. I've been working in sustainability for a very, very long time since two thousand and six, and I think that that really comes from the center of my work, and that has to do with how do you like. I really believe that business can change the world. So how do you create an environment where business can make the choice? in order to be able to do things that are better for the world rather than not. And with time, I've kind of gone on this really interesting journey of becoming very militant about it to being more like, okay, how can we open that pathway to everyone to, well, this is the way, this is the focus that I'm going on. There are many different roles that I can take, but this is the action and the role that I'm deciding to take with it. So I think that it, you know, it kind of shifts and morphs depending on the on the level of the level of maturity, the level of stage of your life, the level of what's available to you. I think that it's um, I'm in a privileged or non-privileged position, depending on how you see it. Like I don't I don't have kids. My partner lives in a different state, so I, you know, what do I do? I work a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Can I ask more about specifically, is it your own company that you've started? And so there's two parts to this question is, can I understand a bit clearer what it is that you do? Mm-hmm. And also I'd love our listeners to understand that moment that you knew after all the years of following your heart, and then you just made this decision. What was that moment? What caused that? This is it. I'm going to answer the first, the second part first, which is how did I know? I don't think that, I think that that's the tricky thing about change, right? Mm. Because a lot of people are like, oh, the change is going to happen like that. No, I think it's a tipping point. You get to continuous points, continuous points. And it's like a, it's a mountain that you climb and then you get to the top or you get to a point in the mountain and you're like, oh, right. Okay. Actually, this is how I feel about this now. So for me, one of the tipping points was 
having a conversation a number of years ago with someone who I really, I really appreciated and valued the way that he thought. And uh, I took him for lunch and I asked him, I'm really excited to have you here. I, but I'm so excited that I actually don't know what to ask you. So what, you know, if you were, if the, if the situation was reversed, what would you ask me? And he said, I would ask you what your theory of change is. And I'm like, oh, well, I know what theory of change is. I've worked in organizational change. I know what that is. And I said, I started talking about different theories of change. And then I said, wait, that's not what you're asking me. What actually are you asking me? And he said, well, what is one thing you care about? And you have X amount of hours left to live what is the one thing that you want to do that is going to create the most leverage that is going to make the most amount of difference in that specific thing? I, I thought a lot about that question. Right question. Um, yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so what, like what, what is the purpose? You can ask a really deep question of what is the purpose of your life? And if you're, if like you can answer that and oh, there's no wrong, there's no, aside from maybe doing evil in the world, <laughs> there's there's no wrong answer and i think that it depends on your circumstances and depends on what and how you want to lead your life for me that i was already working in the startup world was kind of evolution of many things that i had gotten to and i you know i went to i went to an event and i found these people that were doing something specific and i was like oh that's what i want to do next so i'm going to go through that and that's how i entered into the startup world and then, so when this person asked me that question, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to do this specific thing. This is how I want to express myself. I tried doing that for a while. That didn't work, failed miserably. And then I got to the other infliction point of like, okay, well, that didn't work. So now what do I do in order to be able to accomplish the same thing? And sometimes a lot of it is around re-asking the question or opening the question in a different way or if you can you know the same thinking is going to get you the same type of results so i find that when i a can only answer with two options i'm not asking the right question and b when i'm finding that there's it's super hard then i have to stop and say tia is it being hard because you're not learning a lesson or is it being hard because this is actually not the path that you're supposed to be walking down so when I find that the more that I set out the intention and then just release the control over it, which is really hard because I'm a control freak, <laughs> <laughs> the easier the pathway becomes. And that's how, for example, I met the people that I'm working with right now. That was a flow. That was one of the most flowing conversations I've ever had. And, you know, the, the interactions have been really great and evolutionary. Like they evolve constantly and it's been very, it's been very easy so when it's easy, it's easier to be in a place where you can make a difference, right? Um, does that answer the first part of the question? It does. Yes, very much so. So the second answer to the question, the second question was about what is it that I do, which I get that a lot. So I, my expertise is in building programs and strategies for organizations and for uh, companies that work with startups. So I work with accelerator programs. I work with universities. I work with with anything and anyone that are building educational programs around entrepreneurship. And then what I do is I, my expertise is around sustainability and sustainable development goals. And how do you create a business that has impact? So how do you, how do you blend that concept of profit and purpose? Mm. And so 
you know, I've worked with different universities on developing courses for master's programs, for undergrad programs. I facilitate, I don't know, I just facilitate a lot of, develop and facilitate a lot of programs around that. And that's what I'm doing right now. So I work with an organization that specializes in ag tech and in food tech and clean tech. So where they have a, a program that they've run in the past and they've asked me to come in as managing director for that program in order to be able to run it and also allow them to step away from it. So it's also about being able to understand how to operationalize that program and create more of a ability to be able to scale. So a lot of what I do is also create strategies around scaling social impact or scaling impact, which is quite complicated to do. So that's one thing that I do. Um, The second thing that I do is I have my fingers in a lot of pies. <laughs> so I like, uh, I, I'm really, I like meeting a lot of people and I like connecting people. So I like being able to figure out, oh, you guys are working on that. Well, they're also working on that. So why don't you guys work on that together? I've had to scale that down because I now can only have two focuses. So I'm also doing my PhD. Um, and my PhD is, that was my choice about being able to shift my career because I feel that I've kind of reached a point within the current constellation of what I'm doing. I feel that in terms of the amount of impact that I can make and the change that I feel has to happen, I feel a lot more urgency around the change that has to happen. So I feel that the way my theory of change has to change in order for that to be able to happen faster. So if you look at the way that startups, and when I say the word startup, I mean specifically technology-based, so something that is scalable and repeatable. Mm-hmm. How do you create an opportunity for businesses to be able, or for entrepreneurs to be in a place where they can grow faster or make their impact faster? And so my PhD is taking a look at how the type of people they invest and the type of capital or the type of money and the way that they structure the money and how does that going to make a difference in creating more of these types of companies? Because the type of company that is currently acceptable in a startup world is something that is scalable and repeatable period and is going to 10x on your money. And I think that that concept of what is the purpose of business and what is the purpose of investment and that needs to shift in order for us to be able to create, you know, to get out of the big mess that we're in. That was a very long window. I actually really Mm -hmm. love that answer (laughs) because what I'm seeing now, and I've never thought of it like this before, is that two things. What I heard, and please correct me if I've I've gone off, this is just my interpretation, but happy to be given different perspectives, is that change also is an evolution. So whatever our definition of change is, and our experience of change is also going to evolve over the course of time and we need to be open to change changing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that the the purpose of business is – Yes, there is a return on investment aspect, but then it needs to be a return on investment for the environment and for the people and for the evolution of humanity as well. So the return on investment needs to go into multiple directions and that is the the framework that realistically, well, I feel like I now need to look through from yeah. what you've just said. Yeah, I mean, thank you. I think that I strongly believe that we, and I'm going to curse here, we have no fucking time. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. And so anybody that is not navigating or finding a way to be able to orient towards the question of what am I doing? Am I detracting or am I contributing Mm. to the problem? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm, and you you cannot be in a place where you're constantly contributing, you are going to detract because that is the way that we 
I mean, that's the way, I mean, we can talk about the way that economy is set up and so on and oh, so forth. Oh, so rabbit hole. Let's not, let's not go there. <laughs> and I think, so I think like as a business and when you start off, whether you're starting off or whether you're, or whether you're already existing, asking the question of like, am I contributing to the problem that exists or am I creating solutions to the problem that exists and how am I doing that? Mm -hmm. So one of the ways to do that is really to fundamentally stop and say, right, uh, first of all, understanding that the, that there, that the, (laughs) this is the tricky part to explain, right? Because when we think about business, a lot of times, or in general, we think in a very Newtonian perspective. And what I mean by that is that A equals B equals C. Mm. And when we think about sustainability or the concept of sustainability, a lot of times we think in like, oh, people, planet, profit, or ESG, environmental, social governance, or SDG, sustainable development goals. It's all very like separate right? It's like, this is a vertical over here. This is a vertical over here. This is a vertical over here. But in reality, everything is interconnected. Oh my gosh. We've just gone back to the nature thing. (laughs) I'm just, I'm feeling it as you're saying it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm just having this explosion of connection from everything you've just said. Yeah. So So true though. So when, so when you think about, and that's, it's a hard shift to do, right? Mm. Because when you think about business, you think like, oh, business, like the purpose of business is to, is to, you know, to provide a return to our shareholders. The purpose of business is to make a profit. Profit. The purpose of business is to be able to solve some kind of problem for us, for a customer that is going to have some kind of financial solution. I am not one who's going to say, don't have a financial solution. You have to have some kind of business model. You have to have be generating revenue in order for you to be able to survive, right? Even though there are some people that would, that would argue otherwise. But I do think that it's important to stop for a second and, under, and explain and explore what is my definition of business? How can I expand that definition? How can I understand what is the purpose of what I am doing? So we can't have business that the pure purpose is for it just to make money. And because that's what has gotten us into the mess of what we have now. So when you, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways to think about this. And when you, you can do an audit of your own business and you can say, what are the things that I care about? What are the things that I, and in my personal life, I think that a lot of times we live in, a, in an environment that does not encourage us to think about cause and effect. Simple things, even just like your garbage. Like when you throw out your garbage, you're like, oh, I'm throwing it away. No, there is no way. We live in a closed loop system. But we, we choose to, and the, the way that things are set up is for us to minimize that responsibility of our actions, right? If you go to the supermarket, and you purchase something, you're purchasing it in an environment that you can't see where, what happened in order for that to get to where you are. Mm. So when you think about your business and when you think about yourself, then bring yourself into your business. How do you bring yourself into your business? Well, you think about, well, what are my values? What are things that I really care about? And how do I align my thoughts, my actions, and my words into that from a very practical and tangible way? So if I care about, it doesn't really matter. It can be about collecting unicorn tears or, or saving street cats or whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Right. But being able to understand that there's always a pathway to change and finding what your pathway is and finding your pathway in the small steps about how can I align my values from a business perspective. So you can look at it from a, you can look at it in terms of what are my hiring practices. You can look at it in terms of 
from an economics perspective of what is the gap between how much I make versus someone else that is within my company. You can look at it from a social perspective in terms of how am I interacting with my community around me? How am I purchasing and who am I purchasing from? What am I doing with that value of the dollar that I am creating? How am I generating more within the community that I live in? And what am I buying in my home? How do I bring, what am I consuming? How do I consume and how yeah. do I, when I think about consuming, it's not only what am I eating, it's also what am I consuming in terms of the people that are around you, in terms of the thoughts that you have, in terms of the, you know, everything. And I think that, excuse me, I think that I'm going to say this one last thing and then I'm going to stop talking because I've been talking for a while. I think that one of the things that's very dangerous about this is that we set a very high bar, you know, of like, oh, I have to be perfect around this. I have to be like the nun that walks on water and, you know, like <laughs> virtuous. I'm going to be virtuous. And I think that's bullshit. Yes. I think that you have to like, there are every small step, if you're making it in the right direction, then you are doing a better job than 95% of the population. And I'm sure I can come up with some kind of something around fitness here. <laughs> it, goes, it goes back to what you said about it, intention and yep. intention being everything. And if you've got the intention to leave those droplets of betterness along the way and, and improving all of the moving parts and considering your business part of nature, not separate from nature and being able to operate with those foundations, then that intention will surely, regardless if I always see when I get it wrong is the perfect thing to help me to get it right. Mm -hmm. So there's never a wrong for me and that's not to try and be perfect. It's always where can I mine the gold? And I know you seem to, to think very similarly about mm. what can I learn yeah. from this to make me help me to make better decisions. And if there are people out there wondering how they can improve their business model, then that's a perfect framework to start thinking about how can you operate more like nature and contribute back yeah. to the environment. And I'm talking as a whole. Yeah. And mm. I mean, you know, from, from there, there's so many different frameworks you can mm. use from a business perspective. The sustainable development goals, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them or if no. your listeners no. are. So the United Nations uh, created a vision for a better world. I like to think about it like we're in, I'm a Star Trek person. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like the, uh, the ultimate uh, Star Trek um, overlords. I forget what they're called right now. Of course, I'm going to blank on that. But there are 17 goals and they have their, it's all for a 2030 vision of a better world. So you have goals that are all the way from gender equality, all the way to partnerships and life over land, life on land, life underwater equitable infrastructure. There's like, there's 17 of them, right? And they, the beauty about them is that you can easily identify with one. You can say, oh, gender, right? Okay, great. So let's talk about gender. So how does that relate to my, how does that relate to my business? So they're, the beauty of them is that they stand alone, but they're also very interconnected. So if you take a look at, for, for example, one of them is, is education. Okay, well, let's start with education. You want to talk about education, let's talk about education in some other nations or even in Australia here. Like we have, Australia has a very rich history. Like Australia has the oldest culture in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to talk about the disadvantages or the, the gap that happens within that. How do we clean up our backyard from our from a business perspective? So what are some of the things that we can do in order to contribute back to our backyard in order to be able to uplift different populations that might not necessarily be where we are because of the way that we have operated in the past? What does that look like? 
and asking a more beautiful question in order to open up curiosity around that. So anyway, so the SDGs are a very easy way for you to kind of take a look and and align. You can kind of see, you can take a look at each one of the sustainable development goals and they all have indicators and you can kind of say like, okay, well, this is where I am. I'm doing really well in this area, but I suck in this area. Great. So what's your, what's your strategy to be able to improve? How can you improve and how can you align with that better? Very cool. Very, what, are, very cool. what are some of the examples that you, um, in what you advise people, like some practical examples of, with sustainability and what's some things that you've, um, to give our listeners a, an idea practically? I mean, I, th- I think that, <laughs> I think that I operate in three different areas, right? I think one is understanding who are you is I think a really deep and meaningful thing to, to stop and think and understand what do I care about? And how do I bring that into the world? And understanding that there's no separation between those three. So, mm. so that's a, I mean, that's a practical thing. You start yeah. off by, okay, well, what are my values? What, yeah. what do I really care about? And how do I want to bring that into the world in terms of my business? And you can ask that in your business yeah. <laughs> and see what emerges and what evolves. You can decide, okay, well, I'm going to do this specific thing and I'm going to move towards this. Great. Well, there are a heap of frameworks. You're not going to invent, don't reinvent the world, the, the wheel. There's so many different people that are doing amazing things. Find something that works for you and just align with that. But don't shrug off the responsibility or don't shrug off. It's easier to be, it's easy to be lazy. It's harder to be yeah. proactive, right? So Absolutely. These, so these sort of things are really helping businesses with you know, being able to guide their teams and lead in that way that is altruistic, but still very grounded in, in business principles. So that, that's opening, that's opening a whole other rabbit hole around what actual, what employees and what people are actually looking for. Cause they're looking for more like this huge trends around people that are looking for more, especially after COVID they're looking for more meaningful alignment in their life. So mm. how can you as an organization create an environment where people want to come and work because yeah. there is a value alignment? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the reason I'm choosing to work with these people and I have other options is because of the fact that they have such a strong value alignment to what I'm doing mm. and they're working on it in a very different way. I'm like, Oh cool. I'm going to learn from this. This is awesome. How can people connect with you if they want to get more of the feels and they really align with what you're saying? Are you visible? Are you preferring uh, to stay silent? Uh, you can find me on my LinkedIn profile. All right, which is fantastic. All right, I will put a link to that in the show notes. People yeah, can, awesome. can just click and connect. You can also, um, you can add this if you want to, but I do have a company that's called Pathway to Impact and that's I call it the power of Krill and that's all about being able to walk you through a specific series of actions that helps you figure out how to become a change maker on a smaller, on a smaller level. That's Ooh, cool. I think I'll sign like up that. for that. I, it's, it's, yeah. Okay. This is where you're going to edit because I have to redo the course and <laughs> just hold off on that. <laughs> well, maybe we'll put the pressure on to say, get the course done. The podcast is coming out. I don't have it. Time, time. The last thing you had this, I read about this wonderful, uh, night called Friday fuck ups or something. Oh, fuck up nights. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Are you going to have any more of them? They no, no, they're fun. So they're, no, no, they're actually, I mean, I did that for two years and I was very specific and deliberate in why I was doing that. 
I think that it was part of my, you know, my goal is to be able to create opportunities for people to connect mm. on, a, on mm. some things, on things that they can't argue about. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I don't run fuck up nights anymore. I did bring it to Queensland and I ran it for two and a half years and then or three years. I don't remember. Um, and it was fantastic. And I had an awesome opportunity with it. It was all about normalizing failure and understanding that it's part of the entrepreneurial journey. It's part of a global movement. So there are people that are running it right now on the Gold Coast, and I think that they're doing a fantastic job, but that's actually not, that's, I'm not a part of that anymore at all. So, Tia, thank you so much right. for you. this conversation. It. it was, I loved the way that it worked the same you explain, <laughs> as you explained your life. It kind of just flowed into this <laughs> crescendo of all of it coming together and making sense. And I, uh, <laughs> I really value that. Thank you so much for thank making you. the effort to come and to sharing Appreciate you it. with us. Thank you. We are so grateful for the feedback we get about this podcast on a weekly basis. It's literally changing lives. If you like any of these episodes or you just love the podcast, we would love it if you could share it with your friends. Thanks for joining this podcast. Want to take the conversation further and learn more about how to live an energized and pain-free life as you age? Then jump into our website at agerebels.com dot com dot au stay tuned for the next episode of the age rebels revolution